Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and we are steamrolling through 2020. Now I know this year has been quite fun, it's been quite weird, and by the time this show comes out, I really hope it's in a much better place than where we uh, recorded it, which was looking hopeful, uh, which is good. With that being said, today's guest is the one and only Beth, or Bethany Perry, a powerful woman who basically understands exactly how to use her experience as a coach, which is well over two decades, by the way, um, of experience of coaching people and helping them to essentially help you get out of your own way. Um, and I, we are going to go into this like crazy hard because you have a lot of accolades to your name, Beth, and I don't think I can cover them all. <laughs> like, it's kind well, of I'm happy to be here. Accolades are not. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy we can catch up. It's been a while. I know. It's been years of being connected and, you know, our paths have crossed sometimes more intensely and then diverge and then back together. And I think that's a beautiful thing about life. Yes, it is. It's always lovely because it's something I actually found out about you that really made me happy when I was going through a bit of a downtown uh, period in my life was you actually encouraged me to keep posting and keep putting things out there. And I was like, why? And you're like, not because just because everyone's not responding doesn't mean they're not, they're not reading. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I read your stuff all the time. I was like, wait, what? I did not know this. Mm -hmm. so this is one it's so true. It's yeah. very easy to get, to get sucked into the, um, like the instant gratification or the, the likes and the comments and, you know, especially, what you do makes such a difference and it can feel really frustrating um, for all of all of, like people like us who want to have an impact and want to be excellent at what we do. And when there's like crickets happening, it can be very easy to get in our heads about, does it even matter? And it's, it's actually, it's, it comes from a place. I, I believe it comes from a place of genuinely caring most of the time. Um, but the truth is that we're not the norm, right? Like it's not most of the world that puts ourselves out there and follows our dreams and pursues our passions and our talents and, you know, is audacious enough to want to get paid for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's, I'm glad that you keep showing up and it's one of those things where I think more than ever now, um, it's, you know, I saw a post recently where someone was like, guys take the time to give a like leave a comment if you're really into it share it and you know it's it's one of those things where it does make a difference and it does matter to a certain point but at the end of the day um those of us that keep pushing through and show up regardless of the attention we're seemingly getting there's a lot more happening behind the scenes especially right now where you know people are paying the web traffic is like the new foot traffic and people are online more than ever in these past few weeks. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on that we don't know and what's going on in people's heads, what's going, what's showing up in their feed or not showing up in their feed. So it's definitely an interesting, um, time. It really is. And it's crazy how like, as the world changes, as everything gets better, now is the time to step up. And I love the quote that you use on your website. And it's so true and powerful. We are going to discuss this. And it's, what is it like for bread to rise? What does it take to rise up in everything? For bread, it's yeast. 
as well as a few other things like pizza. Um, but mm-hmm. for humans, <laughs> inner work. It is true. Like we need the inner work in order to rise up and become better. We really do. And that is, that is something that I do want to actually like go into in the moment. Um, but please continue You're about to say something. No, I, 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 that, that quote is, I'm a real big fan of analogies. Um, Same. you know, story, like you get the power of stories. I think analogies are bite-sized stories Without where they can land with people. And so, you know, that concept of people understand, oh, for if you don't use yeast, you get a flatbread. It does not rise. And there's nothing wrong with flatbread. However, if you want to rise, if you want the bread to rise, like yeast is an essential ingredient in in the dough. And, you know, it's especially um, it, for entrepreneurs, but nowadays, I think everyone is a little bit, it's, it's more critical than ever. Um, to recognize that the inner work is the yeast. So you can have all the strategy in the world that you want, and you can even be in action with it. You can even be doing, going through the motions, but it's really, I I believe energy before strategy. And it's, it's not necessarily like what you do matters, but it's even more than that. It's who are you being when you do it? Yeah. So it kind of really just comes down to like the identity, um, alignment of who you are who you want to be and how you're showing up mm-hmm. and it's i mean for me i guess it's been a lifelong journey of myself just trying to get to know who am i and you know i've overcome a lot of external circumstances because and it boiled down to doing the inner work to be able to do that yeah no i get that we totally do get that indeed um, and one of the questions I actually had that sprouted off that con- out of that thought realistically is, how do you uh, like how do you overcome a very 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 strange phenomenon that I've only like it's weird I only speak to entrepreneurs that have this apparently so a lot of my <laughs> friends have it where our inner alignment is we are a badass we can do this we're gonna go awesome we're gonna do this amazing thing and help people cool and they do all the inner work they're in alignment with who they are. And then when they start their day, they just feel procrastination, just crush them. They're like, they'll get to their laptop. They would have done their morning routine. They open up, they open the document, like I'm going to win the world and then just crash like nothing. Absolutely mm. comes out. So my question is, how do they overcome that? Like, how do we overcome that to actually get the best out of us when we don't want to be the best of us? I love that question. And so are you talking more about procrastination? Or are you talking about like the phenomenon where as you're closing your eyes, going to bed and you're like, I'm going to just kick ass tomorrow. I'm going to get this done and this done and this done. And then you wake up the next day and the day kind of goes by without getting the things done that you said you were going to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, first of all, that's, that's normal. It's uh, and again, it's like inner, inner work is more than just understanding personal development in your head. Um, it's really about embodying it. And, you know, my first degree is sports medicine. Um, and over the years, I've built on that and evolved. And, and you know, so it's, I have this incredible, uh, almost obsession with how amazing the human body is. <laughs> and it really, the more I studied the, the human body and then eventually became like obsessed with the brain and how the brain works and psychology. And then, you know, that 
rolled over into studying energetic, like the energetic blueprint that we all come with. Um, mm -hmm. Like human design is, is one of the um, professional trainings that I've been going through and continue to go through actually. Um, and so if, if you can, it, it does start with understanding a concept in your head. And then like with the example you used of like, you mean well, you have these great intentions and then you sit down at the computer and you don't do what you're, you're supposed to do. Um, first of all, sometimes it can boil down to if your approach, if your strategy is based on what works for someone else, then it, like you may, even though you think you have a plan that's, that's in alignment, it may be in alignment with someone else's best strategy. And so one thing I am really committed to is, um, you know, the concept I, I tell people all the time, it's great to have somebody else show you what worked for them. But my coaching approach is really, I'm more focused on helping you figure out what's going to work for you. So, you know, my first suggestion, if someone's in that position would be to consider like, huh, did I decide this was a, the, a good plan really based on all the parts about who I am? And who I want to be, or did I pick and uh, pull this from what I see someone else doing, and it's that I want to be like them. Um, a second thing is to remember that, you know, it's it's like emotional strength training. The yeah. personal development skills, they're not something that we're taught in school. Emotional intelligence is, I think Denmark teaches it in their schools, but, um, you know, most countries don't. And so this is something that by the time people start their personal development journey, they've already been conditioned. We've already been through things that we have habits, we have autopilot mode, we have our subconscious is, um, you know, is, is used to doing things a certain way. And when we start this personal development journey, if you give yourself grace, give yourself permission of, you know, it's like the first time you go, that you don't go into the gym day one and, pick up the heaviest weights in the room yep you're gonna tear your muscles you're gonna hurt yourself and so it's it's normal to start with what you can so in that position you know i think especially ambitious visionaries and um big dreamers and big thinkers we we want to hurry up and get to the finish line but you know what <laughs> Getting over the finish line happens one step at a time, and every step of the race leads to the finish line. So, um, you know, when you sit down, when you set these big ambitious goals, to again remember noticing part of embodying personal development and emotional intelligence and energetic alignment is noticing. Okay, why does step one feel so hard? If I push through this first step, that's like going to the gym the first day. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do one thing. And then I'm going to go back again tomorrow and I'm going to be stronger and more capable and I'm going to be able to do more. And if I notice, is that a growing pain because I'm getting stronger or is that, oof, something hurts, like something doesn't feel right. And then you can course correct the same way that you would course correct um, in the gym. And I like you train MMA, correct? Yep. Um, well, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now more than anything. Okay. So I actually um, competed as a, an amateur boxer. Oh, wow. for a number of years <laughs> oh, that's awesome and you know i remember my first fight was actually in the golden gloves tournament nice. um and 
I found out the night before the fight. So I'd been in the gym for about eight months every day. And I have, I have, I had this amazing coach, Roly Peer, um, who he passed away uh, just, just about a few, uh, six months ago, I believe. And he is a character. He's like almost, he's got the gravelly voice of almost like out of Rocky movies, the trainer in the Rocky movies. And he, he just was such a character. And I remember my first day in the gym and he was like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to throw a jab. And he didn't teach me any other punch until I had thrown a jab probably a thousand times. Yep. Right. And so it was, I kept showing up and showing up and showing up and oh my gosh, I had muscles in my body were hurting like never before. And I mean, I was in good shape when I started, um, but it was, it was new. And there's this thing called biomechanical fatigue that happens in our bodies where when we're doing something new, every single muscle in our body goes on high alert. Cause it's like, what the heck? I don't know what you're asking of me. I don't know what might happen. I have to have every muscle like tense and ready to go in case you need me because I don't know what's about to happen. And so just throwing that jab, like every part of my body hurt, my abs hurt, my glutes hurt, my legs hurt, like everything hurt because they were all on high alert. Like this is something new, this what's happening. And so that can also happen with our mindset when we're going after goals and going into big things where it's like all of it becomes like, we can be super exhausted from a small amount of thing when we're going into a bigger arena or into an area of next level, whether that's a next level visibility, a, a new skill set, launching a new program, um, you know, any of that type of stuff. And so anyway, much like the boxing gym, um, by the time I uh, got a, women's boxing is a little different. It's actually very difficult to get a fight. Um, that's oh, at least in my area. <laughs> and so again, with the golden gloves, um, you, it, it's kind of like, you don't know who your, your opponent's going to be. Yeah. Um, not until the I, day of or the day before, if I remember correctly. Exactly. And so the night before one of my, um, friends who in, in the industry found out who I was going to be fighting and she called me and she said, Hey, I, I just want to give you a heads up. You're fighting this girl. Her name is destiny. And I'm like, Oh my God, you've got to be joking. Her name is destiny. Come <laughs> on. And she's like, yep. She's been training since she was eight years old. I took a big gulp. Mm -hmm. She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's a Southpaw. I'm like, mm, okay. I've never sparred. I've never sparred a Southpaw. Everything I had been training was like a standard stance. And so by the end of her telling me all, all the things about this girl, I'm like, you've got to be joking, right? You're just trying to freak me out. This is not cool. And she's like, no, it's, it's all true. That's why I wanted to give you a heads up. And this, it made me want to quit. I was nauseous. I was, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm what, like, I'm going to completely embarrass myself. And thank God for the, the mindset skills I had at the time. Like, this is where like, falling back it, all the physical training I had done wouldn't if it is like it wasn't enough I I had to pair it just to step in that ring I had to know what am I fighting for what is my reason for showing up for putting myself on the line to the point that I could get knocked out in front of 3,000 people 
including family and friends who were traveling and had bought tickets and all this stuff. And, you know, so I really decided um, that for me, there were certain traumas I had been through in the past. And I just decided that I was going to show up and fight because there was a time that like when I was eight years old, I decided I was a bad person because I, I didn't protect someone from being sexually hurt. And granted, I was eight years old. I logically in my head, no, it was not my responsibility to protect them. I didn't really know what was happening in the moment. But even at eight years old, I knew something was wrong. And I didn't, I didn't follow my, my gut on that. And all these years later, I had this opportunity to get in a ring against someone that was way more powerful than me, way more um, advanced than me. And I decided I was going to get in that ring and prove to myself I'm, I'm the type of person that does show up and fight. And for me, that so doing the mindset work, setting my intentions to a place where um, I wasn't going to allow someone else to decide if I won or not. And I That's, got in the ring. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, you were going to say, finish your point. So when I got in the ring and when all three rounds, there was, I, you know, I know you're not supposed to bet on sports and stuff, but I heard that it was basically like um, everybody, it was, there was money down that I wouldn't make it through round one. And not only did I make it through all three rounds, but we ended up getting fight of the night oh, damn. and it was one of those things where, I mean, I completely lost. I don't, I, I completely lost, but I was still standing at the end of the round and not a single person in that stadium. I don't think thought I was not even my parents. Like my dad had seen her walking around the gym and he was like, Oh shit, Beth, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> like, and so it was one of those things, but I knew I won what I needed to win in that moment. And I remember getting out of the ring and my uncle who was there asked me, he said, Beth, you know, you lost, right? <laughs> and I was like, I know, but I won what I needed to win in that moment. And, you know, long story sh short, or not so short, I guess I've been telling <laughs> yeah. the story for a while now, but this girl, Destiny, ended up going on to compete in the Olympic, the U.S. Olympic boxing team. And I was like, well, not bad to lose to an Olympian, I guess. Yeah. And her coach, uh, Jamie, was, ended up being inducted into the um, Boxing Hall of Fame and ended up and also came up to me after the fight. She said, I'd really like you to come be a sparring partner like you put up a good fight. We weren't not expecting that from you. And so it's like, in a lot of ways, I earned respect, not because of the a specific outcome that I got, but because of the, what I went through with my own mindset and emotions of how I was choosing to show up. That makes sense. There are like 19 points that I really wanted to interrupt and ask you a question. <laughs> because there were so many opportunities. So I'm going to run through my response because uh, there's a few of them that I really do need to make sure that you guys actually get. The whole thing with the jabbing, a thousand times. If you don't get your basics and fundamentals right, you're basically fucked. Same goes for business. You actually really need to get that shit sorted. One of the other points as well, congratulations by the way on Golden Gloves because Golden Gloves is one of the hardest things you can do. I never actually did it mainly because I didn't like boxing, which is weird because I have really good hand speed and head movement, but we'll get into that another point. And I totally get, especially when you have challenges. And I used to do this with uh, Muay Thai. And I used to love this. 
I do this with jiu-jitsu now as well. I can't go full strength with anyone in my gym. I just, I just can't, I can't go with them because I feel like I'm going to hurt them or I'm going to fuck up or something's going to happen. But the reality of it all is at competitions, the mindset I get into right before I go on the mats, which is why I refuse to talk to literally anyone that is in my weight bracket or could compete against me on that day. I don't want to talk to you. I've got my headphones in and I'm going to like, the only thing that's going through my head right now is, okay, this guy's bigger. This guy's stronger. This person's faster. It doesn't matter what your frame is. I'm giving you every advantage under the sun. And the reason is psychologically is because it gets my brain to a point where I can actually just go, okay, you can handle me. And that just basically is kind of the whole phrase that uncorks the, what I like to call my insanity. Um, when I can, <laughs> because the thing is I don't, I, I physically do not feel pain when I'm in competition. Um, like to the point that there's uh, well the adrenaline. No, no, no. I don't have. I don't get adrenaline dumps like that. I, I just genuinely don't feel pain. Um, and then like the adrenaline really kicks in when I break bones. Like when I did at Muay Thai, I, I broke my left hand in like my fourth uh, in in a fight. Um, and because of that, uh, that was in round one. So the adrenaline hadn't even kicked in yet. So round two, I'm hobbling around with like messed up hand. It really hurt. Um, oh my goodness! Still one, one by technical knockout, but still, you know, you got to go with what you got to go. But essentially, going back to the whole thing with jujitsu, I literally just have to like in my head that switch that comes on is because they can handle me. Now is the time that I give myself release and give myself permission for release. And it took me a long time to get there. So one of the strategies that I use that I actually want to get your opinion on uh, as well is having like a trip switch in my head kind of going, okay, this is the word I'm going to, like it's basically using basic NLP, which is I'm using an emotional feeling of how I want and condensing it into this word and into this breathing pattern. The more I can embody this, the better it becomes. So say I did that with this whole thing that when I'm going to jujitsu competitions, I have to follow this ritual path and that ritual path is basically my ritual for unleashing my inner self to go out and win. Like, Screw it. I don't care mm -hmm. if I break your arm. I'm going to break your arm because you're in, you knew what you signed up for. Like, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to literally put you down and tap you out. I'm, I'm there to basically submit you or to dominate you so much that you can't get up. Is there a way that you can do that? There is a way that you can do that with other things in your life. My question to you is, how does someone that has a really hard time of letting go of that release, how do they do it? How do they get to that point where they're okay with letting themselves feel that emotion and not step away, but like, you know, that nervousness, that feeling that you get right before you go into a fight, like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. And then you just get there and you just, sometimes you just feel at home. Like as soon as you walk in, you're like, I'm home. This is just home. I'm okay now. But you always feel the nervousness beforehand in the walk up and everything else like that. Say those same people that don't even have the, like they have that same level of nervousness, but they never do the walkout. They never climb in the ring. Yeah, but they want to climb in the ring. How do they mentally train themselves and let go of the shit that's basically held them back to allow themselves to go make that walk down to the ring and get in the ring and do the things that they're afraid to do? I love that question. And, you know, it's it, even your phrase where you're like, okay, this person could handle me. It's there's a, a concept with emotions where if you don't handle your emotions, your emotions will handle you. And so that's the power of developing your emotional intelligence and 
navigating feelings is that all of a sudden you don't have to be afraid of whatever storm might be coming up in your life because you know that you are the storm. Yeah. And there's or that, more that badass storm, that too. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, I mean, talking about boxing and jujitsu and stuff is, is maybe, maybe not everyone listening can relate to that from an, like the, the actual fighting standpoint. But if you think about when you show how, how you and I are talking about showing up in the fight and deciding, okay, what am I going to choose as my win? Or, you know what, I'm going to go all in. And it's so anything in, in someone who's listening, like, where are you willing to go all in in your life? And where are you not like that nervousness about walking into the ring, the, the skill set for that is learning how to walk with your fear. And it's really hard to walk with your fear. I mean, we all have fear and you can sit on the couch with your fear and feel your fear, or you can get into action. You're still going to be afraid, but you are walking with it. So if you sit on the couch with your fear, like you're just going to be afraid. There's no possible chance of changing anything. But when we learn how to walk with our fear, something is going to change and we're going to either learn from that or win from that. And so how do you start doing that? If you're someone that has been feeling nervous and not getting into action and you're, you're willing, you know, you want to get into action and you don't know how to overcome your nerves. Um, the first thing is just to be aware that your nerves are not necessarily going to go away. The, the only way they go away is when you do the thing. Yep. And most of the time, what people find is the thing that they were most afraid of doesn't happen. And it wasn't even half as bad as they thought it was going to be. Um, and it's part of how you can build your emotional um, I guess, I guess your emotional strength to be able to get up and walk with your fear. If you haven't been doing that to the level you want to is again, back to like a gym analogy of going into the gym, building your self trust is, is the fastest way to do it. And we don't build our self trust in the big, huge decisions. We build our self trust in the day to day um, opportunities. If, if you say you're going to do a workout and you don't do a workout, your brain is like, oh, I don't trust you. If you say you're going to drink a certain amount of water during the day and you don't, your brain, it's, an, it's proof that you're not trustworthy. If you say you're going to follow up on emails and you don't, it proves you're not trustworthy. And so when you set this goal of I'm going to have a you know, six-figure year or seven-figure year, your brain's like, maybe you will, maybe you won't. I don't trust you. When you say you're going to do this big new thing if you're on the small day-to-day actions that and goals and promises that you make to yourself it's an opportunity to build self-trust and if you're not in a position of self-trust um you're in a position of self-betrayal there's not really a whole lot of gray area there that makes sense is there a way to actually start building that self-trust back into yourself in a slower scale like for instance can you do something as simple as saying instead of setting a huge humongous goal of i'm gonna go ahead and i don't know drink the three liters of water every single day this week. How about you just start off with, you know what? I'm going to have a bottle of water today. I'm just going to get like, exactly. a, just get like a small bottle that I had from the store. I'm just going to keep refilling that. Or if you have a metal bottle, just be like, I'm going to drink one of these every day. That's what I'm going to do. It's just, and I know exactly mm -hmm. what time I'm going to have it. As soon as I get to my desk, that's when I drink my bottle of water. And that sets up your win for the day. And also that is my cat is 
if everyone can remember. <laughs> this is saying hello. Right, Hi, Kitty. God, he's such an asshole. I love him, but he is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, are you recording? That's my cue. Oh, no, it's always <laughs> at this point because he's like, it's, uh, so I'm actually in my office right now, and the sun in the UK is beautiful. It's sunny, it's warm, and I have a beautiful view of the city. Uh, the only problem is you end up having this whole situation with my cat kind of loving it just a bit much. <laughs> like, he's he's very much like a huge fan of the sun, and he likes the sun bed, and he's like, where's the sun going? But we're kind of getting off track here. Um, one of the things I really want to just, like, kind of, like, ask about specifically um, and do what we were talking about would be, like, especially mindset stuff when it comes to it, is asking for help specifically. Because that is a big mm. thing that people, especially, like, people just don't have, um, they don't want to admit they, they need help. But more importantly, they don't want to admit they need help because of their ego of where they are. And I say that from my own perspective. Like, I've been terrified of asking for help because I'm like, hey, aren't I supposed to be seen as this type of person? Isn't mm -hmm. that inconsistent? Because we do have those and it happens to the best of us. Absolutely. Well, and just to completely answer your other question, um, around doing building self-trust with small things the answer is a thousand percent yes oh that was it. like that that's that's actually my recommendation is to start small so like in starting with if you you know setting goals that what are th i typically encourage people to make three promises to themselves for each day um that and you want to have one promise that you like pretty much know you're going to keep like uh i'm gonna brush my teeth right? Like tomorrow I'm going to brush my teeth. Um, a second goal where it feels like a little uncomfortable. And then a third goal that feels like a bigger stretch. So by doing that, you set yourself up for a win, but you're also, it's not like going into the gym and, and doing five pound dumbbells, right? Like you want to do, um, does that make sense? Yeah. It stretches you ever so slightly. So you have one that is a definite one that's kind of like, Mm, this will kind of stretch you know, one that you kind of have to like write down or something for and like, don't forget to do this. Mm -hmm. or and what people, yeah. What people find is along the way there's, there's, um, I, I find that people learn about themselves. So this is not, um, this is a better way or that's a better way, but people learn what their way is, what way feels best for them. Exactly. Some people, will do like the easiest thing first. And then that there, they feel that little bit of a win and they're like, Ooh, <laughs> even though that was easy, like I kept a promise to myself and then they'll do the second one and then they'll do the hardest one last. And that's what feels best for them. Other people wake up and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to, I don't want to do that harder one. I'm just going to get it out of the way. And then once they handle that one, the other two feel so easy, but they still get to celebrate the win. And so, is if you could, if you guys are listening to this and you start implementing this in your own life, um, it's really fascinating because if you notice that you're the type of person that prefers to do the easy thing first and that gets the ball rolling in a winning direction for you, you can start applying that to different areas of your life, whether it's relationships, health, money, business, and you can know, oh, I should start my day. I'm going to be more likely to complete projects and, and tasks if I start with the easiest thing first. If you're uh, in the flip side, if you find out that you, you actually do better at keeping your promises to yourself by taking care of the bit, the big, ugly, scary one first, then you can start applying that approach to, again, 
how you show up in your life and your relationships, money and health um, by taking care of what needs the bigger thing first. And it's going to be that much more custom to you. Agreed. And there is one thing that's really, really powerful from what you're saying there um, that I actually completely agree with. And I will challenge you ever so slightly and say that it's not that you're better at keeping your own promises. I think sometimes that's just your makeup as in what type of person you can be, because I've always been like anything I kind of put myself, put my mind to, I go a hundred percent in. But the mm -hmm. problem is, uh, if, if I do, if I have a hard task list, I try and make myself have the easy, slightly harder, very hard kind of task list happen because that's the process I like. I like to go easy and then build up. Um, but sometimes, and this is true, sometimes I get to the point to make it really challenging is I pick three really hard things and put them in descending order of difficulty. And I know it's like a Saturday, I've got to do these three big things and I write down how long I've got to do the task. I just go do it for two hours, come back, relax, go do the next task. And that helps me out as well. So I'd say like mixing them up does help. Yeah, well, and I mean, we're talking, you know, about building self-trust yeah. And that's, that's something that the more you do it, eventually it becomes second nature and, and you're not needing to focus on this because you know, you, you trust yourself and you know how you work. And that's something where if, if something, it, it can get disrupted, right? Like if you're, if all of a sudden you have a new circumstance or, um, you have a difficult situation come up, we may, it, it's helpful to know, okay, I, I might need to put a little extra attention on reminding myself that I am trustworthy. And the thing that's really powerful about that is that as you develop this muscle, um, you know, I, I shared with you guys about biomechanical fatigue earlier, where with the first time you're doing something new, you're, everything's on high alert. And eventually it's like, you can relax into it. It's the why sometimes, you know, one, the first day I was in the boxing gym, all I did is throw jabs and everything hurt. A few months later, I could go in and do all kinds of training and sparring and, and I would go home and I would feel like, oh, that was a good workout, but it didn't hurt anywhere near as bad as the first day when all I did was throw jabs. So we develop our capacity um, to do this by being consistent with it. And ultimately, you know, getting to the place where your self-trust is an automatic, then when you start making bigger declarations and bigger promises to yourself, like you, you, it's your brain actually trusts you and your subconscious starts working for you to see opportunities, to see how it can work, to figure out all the things that you might not know because your brain's like, nope, they said they were going to do this. They're, they're going to do it. So I might as well get on board and help them out. And it, it's almost like that's where law of attraction next level kicks in. And um, people have, you know, oh my gosh, this is like a miracle. But it's because their self-trust was next level. So it actually brings your, the 95% of your brain that subconscious gets on board and works for you and with you instead of trying to keep you on the couch and trying to keep you in the safe zone and the comfortable zone. Yeah, I can see that. That's actually a very, very good way of looking at it as well because it makes life a lot simpler. Now, see, one of my favorite things I wanted to ask you about this is like, you're, wait, you got to remind me, are you a movie fan or no? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I watch like all the most streamlined movies, but yeah, I love a good movie. 
No, no, there's always a reason. So like one of the questions we're going to ask you first is more or less going to be around like what are five movies that you would recommend anyone watch? Just like as in you're like, you know what, if you really like, let's make this a new segment actually. Let's, let's make it get to know Beth in five movies or in five movies. So like what five movies do people need to watch to get you? To get me? Oh, I don't... As a friend to be like, this is my friend. You mean like, uh, I mean, I guess I could tell you more of my, my favorite movies. Yeah, very much on that level. So I'll give you an example okay. with mine. So with one of mine is, if you want to be my friend and you want to get along with me, you got to be a Bill and Ted fan. Like if you want to be one of my closest friends to not out with me, seriously, watch Bill and Ted. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of my movies to make me feel happy when I'm sad. Okay. So it's like so, those types of movies. All right. I would say, uh, well, Shawshank Redemption is one of those movies where it's like, I, I, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. If it shows up it, in my feed or something, I'm just like play. And then that's what I'm doing for the next couple hours. Something about the overcoming of adversity and impossible, like impossibilities. And yet, the focus and just everything about that movie is amazing to me. Agreed. Um, another one, Love Actually. Oh, brilliant movie. Have to watch it's, it every Christmas. At least every Christmas. And it's probably one of the movies that I don't even get mad that it's not Christmas time. And I, again, it's just the humanity, the, the way that everything is connected and intertwined and matters, even these, and the smallest little things um, uh, to just, yes, totally sucks me and makes me feel all the feels. Aww. Um, another one. So this one, I don't know how, how many people have even ever heard of this one, but this movie like rocked, rocked my world. Uh, it was just really powerful. It's called twice born. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Tell me a little bit about the movie. It sounds familiar, but I could be wrong. Um, I believe it's Selma Hayek is probably one of is probably the biggest name in it. Oh, but it's about the, like the, a war torn the, the war movie. Yes, no, I do remember this. Okay, so that Based movie. Area, yeah. Yes, that movie again, just about life. It doesn't always make sense in the moment, and it's always worth it to love. It's always worth it to keep going. It's always worth it to feel to forgive to it, it just like that movie oh my gosh that movie was amazing for me um i don't know i feel like i'm blanking on other movies it's always that case <laughs> hmm. pride and prejudice excellent choice um Hmm. And I would say probably the notebook is my go-to, like have a good cry, feel lovey-dovey, um, like have a glass of wine girls night type kickback movie that I could watch time and time again. There's not a lot of movies I like to watch twice, to be honest. But every single one in that list, I've definitely watched multiple, multiple times. 
Are you going to tell me about myself now? Are you going to tell me what these movies mean about me? <laughs> I could do. I'm not going to. Not publicly, at least. It'll be more of a private conversation. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But it is quite interesting because you can actually defer, you can actually determine a lot about someone from the movies they recommend and where the mindset is. It's quite scary. Um, but yeah, it's just little things like that. But I was going to say like, okay, so what are your five favorite books that you would recommend? And more importantly, let's put it this way. Uh, how many kids do you have? I have one son. Okay. They're 18 years old. And you have the choice, you can give them, and you've been basically told you can give them five books that will help them just in life in general. The, the five books that helped you that you want them to read, what five books would they be? Hmm. Put me on the spot. Um, what we the do? success, the success principles by Jack Canfield. Mm -hmm. That one was a game changer for me. Um, I feel like all the books I read are so mindset-based, psychology-based. That's um, fine. I mean, that, these are the five books. <laughs> so if they're all psychology mindset books, that's not going to hurt them. True. Um, I feel like Think and Grow Rich is one. I mean, I, I do that one on audio. I have trouble sitting down and reading that one, but I, I listen to that one probably about once a year at least. Um, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I like it because the, the chapters are, I can get, like, I'll, I'll basically do a Think and Grow Rich challenge where I'm just like, all right, one chapter a day during, when I go for a walk, and it's, I just, it's pretty timeless information in there. Good stuff. Um, leveraging the Universe. That one's a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is that five yet? What are we at? We're at four. We're at four. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> this is where you're like, no, you are mistaken. No. <laughs> no, that's five. I swear. Um, you know, actually, Love Warrior was another one. I don't know if that would make my top five book, but it's the one that's popping in my head right now. Yeah, go with Probably, I, Yeah, and uh, by Glennon Doyle. And I think it was just, especially from a, a, a woman's perspective of unbecoming, that, I, that book was really it, the whole process of like, maybe it's not about trying to become someone that we want to be. It's more about unbecoming all the parts of us that we aren't. And that's, um, that's a really powerful concept. Like I actually, I use a laundry basket example to teach that in, in my coaching practice where you know, like 98% of our beliefs, habits, patterns, thoughts, <laughs> they're not even ours. We picked them up somewhere along the way, sometimes from well-intentioned people like, you know, parents, teachers, uh, family members, coaches. Other times it's, we pick them up from, you know, exes 
toxic relationships, bullies on the playground. Be, you know, there's there's pivotal moments where we make a decision about ourselves, and we we just assume or we we make this rule in our head, and we don't often go back and think about them. We just they stay with us, and so uh, you know, I'll, I actually have a three day challenge for that I give my clients where I'm like, okay, for three days, I just want you to notice as many thoughts um, that you can, as you, as you can, it's impossible to notice every thought that we have during the day. So it's not about being perfect, but notice, huh, why do I have that opinion? Why do I have that belief? Why do I, why do I think that? Do, is that really real for me? And treat it like a, a laundry basket of clothes. So if you imagine there's a hundred clothes in the laundry basket, only two of them are actually even yours. And it's, it's not necessarily important to know where something came from, but if you pick up a shirt and you're like, oh, that's my mom's. Nope, not mine. Um, or, oh, got this, this outfit from that teacher. You know what? I want to keep it. It's okay if you keep them, but, but just being really conscious about what your beliefs are, what your rules are, what your kind of like, what is your autopilot? Check it out. Do you actually want to be on that autopilot? And even if something is yours, you can be like, oh, you know what, but I've outgrown this. Or I don't like how this fits me anymore. I'm going to choose a new thing. It can be a really, I don't know. My clients have found it to be really, really powerful because we're so, it's easy to be objective about clothes. It's harder to be um, unemotional about our beliefs because we believe them. And we have for years. <laughs> so sometimes we're attached to them and we're like, no, I want to be right. Um, but when you, when we want to evolve more than we want to be right, this, I've found that that's a really powerful approach. And reading that book by uh, Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle, I think was part of, it just resonated to me how important that is um, for everyone, but especially I've seen for, for my female clients. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. And that is an actual excellent lesson to actually learn uh, and apply into, the, into your life. Now, one of my favorite questions to actually ask on the show is essentially when life kicks you and actually really hits you on the, like, oh, was that you or me? That's me. Hmm? Sorry about that. I just had a phone call come through, which is strange. Usually don't have phone calls happen. Um, but what's it called? I was just going to ask you very quickly. Sorry about that, guys. Um, when life basically kicks you and you're on the ground and you have no idea what's going on, how do you actually get back up again? Like, what is the thing that you do? Well, that actually happened to me a few years ago, um, where everything fell apart. Um, it was basically, I, I had been, I had an in-person practice and I was making good money and I was you know, had just gotten married to the love of my life. Um, and on the outside, it looked like everything was successful and I should be happy with everything. But I was really at a point, I was feeling kind of like, eh, it was, it was good, but I wanted more. And so I ended up selling my in-person practice, um, moving my entire business online, shifting my, my, my focus of how I was helping people basically into what I had been doing behind the scenes for, for years anyway. Um, and the reason that, that I finally took action on that was because, um, we had a miscarriage oh. and it was, 
it, that was painful on its own, but it, I allowed it to be a motivator to get into action, to do the things, to, to make life how I actually wanted it to be. And so I went through this whole process, put a lot of time, energy, effort, a lot of money um, over the next few years and to, to really, you know, building up what I thought I wanted. And over the time, I continued to have um, pregnancy losses. And right around my fourth miscarriage, like within two days, it was either right before or right after it kind of all blends together. But then it was like my marriage hit, went through. I mean, in hindsight, it, it, I can say it was a hiccup. But in the moment, it felt like an implosion or explosion. Like that was all falling apart. I felt like I was mad at my body. I was like my, I was just grieving hardcore. Um, and my business was actually in the middle of like a $50,000 month, um, which I ended up, I was like, I just can't do this right now. And I, I, you know, basically shut that whole thing down. And I was like, great, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete failure. Uh, I know all this stuff in my head. I know about physiology. Like I know about, you know, I'm a relationship coach and my marriage is in, in trouble. Um, you know, I, I have, I'm a business coach in my business. Like I, I can't even like commit to it right now. It was, I mean, it was a, a real rock bottom moment for me. And part of me was like, I should have just stayed where it was good. Why did I try to think I could have it all? Yeah. So there's, there's that piece. And, and you know, there's, so what I did, honestly, like I asked for help. You, you had bought that topic up and then we, we kind of got sidetracked a little bit. But first of all, I asked for help. I, I really, um, I was used to having, I, I consistently have a support, um, like a support team in my life, whether it's, you know, my virtual assistant or coaches or mentors or therapists. I always have at least two to three people that are supporting me however I need it most in that moment and not supporting me because there's something wrong with me, but supporting the areas that I most want to improve on at that time. But that rock bottom feeling asking for help was embarrassing. It was hard and it was necessary. If I was going to get back up, I knew I, first of all, I knew I probably could do it on my own, but it would take way longer than I had. And um, the, the second piece was I gave myself permission to slow down, to catch my breath. I wasn't, I wasn't quitting my business, but I was taking a rest, right? Like there's a difference between quitting, um, pulling the plug, throwing the towel in and catching your breath. And so one of the, one of the most powerful lessons and philosophies I was able to learn from how I handled that rock bottom moment was the concept of giving ourselves permission to slow down in order to speed up. And because I lived it at that rock bottom place, like when I encourage my clients to implement it in different areas of their life, it's like I have 1000% confidence that it works. And when you have something that has you emotionally compromised or that has us um, even physically compromised. If we don't handle that, if, if you need to slow down in order to get back into 
a state of composure, a state of alignment, a state of confidence um, out of the fight, flight, or freeze response. That's, you know, if you're having a trauma response, it doesn't make sense to try to push through or to make big, huge decisions, catch your breath. And for me, that, that was about a, a three month catching my breath process. Um, and in the meantime, by the way, I was attracting, I was not doing any marketing, but I still attracted, um, I was still having about 10 K months, um, just by very high level one-on-one -on -one clients coming in and they just needed, again, a small amount of support. And it's like, I had that much to give, but I didn't have it in me to hold space for the number of clients I had been planning on serving. So because I was taking care of myself, I was actually still taken care of by the universe. Because I had built a solid reputation in my field, there were still, there were still people looking for me. I didn't have to go out and chase people down. So I was still, I was able to keep my business open. I was able to give myself more time to grieve, um, grieve the, the old version of Bethany, grieve, uh, my, my, um, pregnancy losses, grieve the, the, what was going on in my marriage. And on the other side of that grief was I came out stronger and I got to choose who am I going to be on the other side of this? What are the lessons I need to learn? What are, what are, what are the changes that I desire to make? What's a new outcome I want to create? And, you know, again, by having support and, and also because of all the work I had done on myself over the years, like some of those things, like even in the movie examples we talked about, one of my favorite things about movies, <laughs> it's all the times you can see in a movie how this, per, you know, a main character might pass another, like the love of their life, like how many times before they actually meet or there's this thing that doesn't really seem that important in the beginning of the movie and then it's like it means everything for the person to get through the biggest obstacle that they face or the biggest challenge that they overcome and for me it was like my whole life made sense every certification i had gotten every um every challenge I had been through in so many levels that felt small in comparison to what I was facing at that point, they all made sense. And I, I was, that's where I could start feeling grateful. I couldn't feel grateful for my current situation, but I knew that gratitude is the emotion that shifts us into, um, a, a higher consciousness. Like it shifts us into a place of being able to create, um, abundance in our life. And so, excuse me, I couldn't be grateful for the, the moment I was in, but I started to really be grateful for all the things I had been through. And I, I was able to, you know, we also talked about walking with the fear, walking with the nervousness. I, nervousness. I was able to get up off the metaphorical couch with my fear and shift how I was showing up in my marriage and, and shift how we were communicating and boundary setting. And it allowed my husband to also shift, right? Like he rose to the occasion and we, I mean, in hindsight now, again, I'm, I can be grateful for what I went through in the moment, even though I couldn't be grateful for it at the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's like that emotional intelligence, the building our self trust on the little things every day, doing that now before you are in a challenging situation is so key. Like, I hope that 
that's, I guess, I hope a takeaway from what I just shared is you don't have to be perfect. You absolutely can ask for help and any amount that you're investing in yourself right now to develop operating at your highest potential one day at a time, it's worth it. Even if it, it feels like maybe a luxury right now, there will be a moment where you will, you will be able to rise to through rise to the next um, level through whatever challenge shows up. And you'll, you'll like, you've been doing the training um, before you needed to. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I totally appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, I can imagine it wouldn't be like the easiest story in the world, but like, thank you for sharing that. Um, wow. It's been a really well, insightful is, call with you. <laughs> this is unplugged, right? Yep. You want the real, you want the raw. And it's, it is also, by the way, I believe in responsible storytelling. So it's, this is something I've, I'm able to share this story from a place of personal power and, and strength at this point in time, because I've gotten through it and whether, you know, again, how I got through it is not going to be exactly how someone else might get through whatever challenges they're facing. But I promise you there is a way you can get through it. And knowing yourself is the foundational piece of that. So knowing yourself when you're at your best allows you to know yourself and, and get through whatever external circumstances might be thrown your way. So I appreciate the opportunity to share that and, and hope that it inspires you and, and other listeners to know that rock bottom doesn't last forever. <laughs> really doesn't. Cool. That is pretty cool. Guys, go out there and definitely check out bethperry.com. Follow her on all her social media. She's pretty awesome. Also, please go ahead and rate, uh, rate comment, share, and review the web, this uh, podcast. It gives us so much more energy, gives us great amount of traffic as well, and helps us out with our subscribers, which is awesome. And guys, I will hope that you have an amazing weekend and you apply exactly what Beth has shared because there's some dynamite in this uh, in this podcast. Speak to you guys real soon and have an amazing weekend.